This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 18th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. A depression in 1921 was left untreated. Economic conditions quickly improved and the Roaring Twenties began. That's the story of the last depression the government left alone. So says James Grant in his new book, The Forgotten Depression, 1921, The Crash That Cured Itself. We spoke following a forum for the book today. War generally means inflation, and the uh, First World War was certainly no exception. The Treasury borrowed hand over fist, and the Fed, uh, uh, then still wet behind the ears, uh, subsidized that borrowing with with very low interest rates, kind of government-issued interest rates. And uh, the result was a great wave of bank credit and uh, a great wave of inflation. Um, That was supposed to have ended when the war ended. It always had. Uh, but it persisted, and by persisting, um, it lured people into making the wrong decisions. Uh, they ranged, these people did, from ordinary farmers to the quite extraordinary Billy Durant, the head of General Motors, to uh, the then even then accident-prone Citicorp, then called National Citibank, and to a former artillery captain named Harry Truman. Every one of these individuals or classes of people uh, organized his or her affairs as if the inflation would persist. Uh, Lo and behold, come the spring of 1920, it stopped persisting and changed character and prices collapsed. Uh, And they kept collapsing. Uh, It was uh, 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 a, a downside adventure such as America had never before seen. Uh, never before or since had prices, have prices fallen so far so fast. Uh, by an index down about 40%, stock prices down about the same or more. Uh, wages too fell, that was a new thing. It certainly new by the lights of anyone looking back at it. Uh, uh, Mast area, in short, a terrible thing. Uh, inflation um, gave way to a, a thoroughgoing deflation. So the question before the House is what should the government do? What could it do? Well, many things were different then, not least the paucity of data. People simply didn't know what was going on, not in any sort of macro sense. And by the way, that term macroeconomics had not really been coined. So the government did uh, a seemingly curious thing, curious by our lights, but actually quite a constructive thing. What it did was nothing. Uh, No regulations, no income support, no no stimulus, no road paving. There were actually very few roads to be paved, not of the automotive kind. Uh, The Federal Reserve uh, didn't lower rates, it actually raised them. All things that uh, we would regard today from a policymaking point of view as unalloyed witchcraft. Um, But something curious happened. And that curious thing was that after things got very bad, they stopped getting bad and uh, they began to get good. And, um, And before the end of 1921, there were labor shortages in Detroit. You paint a picture of similarities between what happened in uh, the late 20s and early 30s and this crisis. Ultimately, what were the major differences? Well, the big difference, of course, uh, was the uh, constructive inaction by the government. Then uh, uh, it allowed through... uh, kind of an unconscious uh, laissez-faire approach to things, and certainly unconscious in the case of the Woodrow Wilson administration. 
it allowed wages and costs uh, to adjust. Uh, there had been a great inflation uh, that was no longer sustainable when the Fed stopped the printing of money, and uh, it became a very violent deflation uh, that the Fed and the government allowed to run its course. You know, the Republicans uh, convened in the summer of 1920 to pick their candidate for the president, presidential elections, and uh, that candidate was uh, Warren G. Harding. But the only reference in the in the platform of the GOP to the economy was to economy in government. Naturally, the GOP was in favor of that. Uh, so it was, a, you know, they, they say, Caleb, they say that um, the past is a foreign country. Uh, certainly the America of the 1920s and the early 1920s was, uh, by our lights, a very alien place indeed. What role did, uh, in your estimation, expectations play in this fairly significant rapid recovery. That is, today we would expect if we were to engage in any type, or if we were to have any type of recession or something, there would be a broad expectation that the government would step in. And and was there just no expectation that this would happen? In March 1921, not only did Warren G. Harding come to Washington, but so did his quite uh, accomplished uh, Treasury Secretary Andrew Mellon. Mellon was one of the country's uh, uh, richest men. He was not only a financier, but also a, a very, very successful industrialist uh, from Pittsburgh was Mellon. And uh, Mellon was uh, a most orthodox financial thinker. And he came in and let it be known that he wanted several things to happen. He wanted less spending, he wanted a reduction in debt, he wanted lower taxes, and he wanted lower interest rates. And uh, capitalist ears perked up, and they liked each and every point of his agenda. Especially did, and most immediately, did they they welcome the idea of, of lower taxes. Then uh, you know, there was an excess profit tax left over from the uh, from the Great War, and uh, and uh, he wanted that to be scrubbed off the books, and he wanted uh, the Fed to take its boot off the neck of American finance and give it some oxygen. And uh, not immediately with respect to taxes, but, uh, uh, but very quickly uh, with respect to interest rates was their progress. And the stock market stopped going down, uh, and uh, it began what would prove to be one of the fabulous bull runs of all times beginning in August 1921. Why don't we talk about this well, well, Caleb, I'm doing my best. I'm I understand. <laughs> I understand you're you're doing your best, and I appreciate that. But, but this is not. Well, a... it's, it's not. It's it's not. It's not part of the, um, of the standard prayer book or narrative. Um, uh, uh, we just heard. Uh, you and I just heard uh, Larry White, a very interesting and learned macroeconomist, talk about the. Um, uh, the climate of opinion in macroeconomics, and 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 uh, this is an age of intervention. The orthodoxy is that uh, um, uh, we must do what we can. This is an age of, among other things, public sector empathy. Uh, Janet Yellen, I think she means as well as any human being can mean, but she believes that uh, the projection of empathy in policy, taking the form of persistently low rates, interest rates. And when necessary, radical experiments and money printing, all of this is, is, is imperative, lest, lest we relapse into the 1930s. Um, 
what led me to write this book was a good part my um, impatience with the monopoly that the 1930s enjoyed or in the market for historical analogy during 19 uh, sorry during 2007 8 and 9 it seems nobody could talk about uh, our sorrows at that moment without invoking the specter of the great depression um, and to be sure one would not want to go through it again but I, 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 so I thought it was necessary that we remembered the Forgotten Depression. James Grant is author of the new book, The Forgotten Depression, 1921, The Crash That Cured Itself. You can watch a forum for the book at cato.org.